Guys, we are back in the same house that uh, that Colin Michael, built. That Colin built. That you know he's got electricity and AC now. I think he can use his oven. Michael Kelly was here once. I mean, just tremendous stuff here down uh, in South Tampa. He's doing yoga right we, now. He's doing yoga. He's <laughs> he's in there. He is a he is a changed man, ladies and gentlemen. And you know, new decade, new Colin. Uh, we're here. Uh, it is the Illuminati podcast with Seth, Vito, Nathan, Stieg, and Colin. Um, Colin's doing yoga, so we're going to talk about recruiting. He's old, so it's weird for him to talk about 17-year-old kids. So we're going to just kind of blow past it. Um, we may have a special guest later. Hopefully, uh, this person can find the house with the barrel in front of the house. Uh, so we'll kind of go from there. National signing day t- was today. USF signed, I believe, eight uh, recruits today. Um, pretty uneventful day. Um, I say that, you know, knowing there was a guy that flipped and uh, Mark was Bell didn't end up in Tampa. But uh, besides that, it was a pretty uneventful day, which is, I think, probably what Jeff Scott and the staff wanted uh, to begin their transition class here for USF. Um, holistically, let's just kind of go over who they signed today. They signed two quarterbacks, Travis Marsh from Miami Central, Jordan Smith from Columbia High School in Lake City. Uh, they signed Booker Washington, uh, Booker T. Washington, Tramel Logan. He's uh, defensive end. Who you with? Chain Bo? Chamberlain High School offensive guard, Cesar Reyes, first Chamberlain High School signee to come to USF out of high school since 2006. Um, fantastic stuff. Levante Camel, uh, Jordan Smith's teammate at Columbia, Holden Willis from Tennessee. He's going to be playing tight end. Uriah Green, another offensive guard from North Carolina. Sincere Brown, first Baptist school in Charleston, South Carolina. And am I missing anyone? Let me do a quick look on rivals. Anderson. Uh, yeah, David David Anderson uh, signed today as a, um, I think a walk on. I don't know. We'll we'll get into that a little bit later. He put uh, his pen to. Or he put his name on a piece of paper. That's all I know. They definitely did that. Um, pen to paper. That's it. <laughs> so um, let's kind of go around the, the the room here. See, you know, our thoughts on today's signing specifically. What 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 did you like? And you know, what did we want to see from this class? Uh, Steeg, what what are your thoughts? Keep it brief, as Keep I it. have it in my notes. Yeah. No. Um. First off, I I think uh briefly, I think the guy in this this recent signing that we'll see probably the biggest impact from is going to be Holden Willis. Um. You know, looking at his intangibles and. Uh, this the stuff that he's uh, already got built into him, you know, being six four, two hundred pounds, he's already pretty much ready to go. Um, he'll you know gain a little bit of weight, kind of learn the blocking schemes a little bit at tight end. Obviously, being transitioned to that position, uh, but I'm I'm really excited to see how he's going to develop. Um, other than that, I think this was going to be kind of as expected. You know, none of these guys are absolute home run uh, guys. You know, you can get guys that are going to contribute pretty well, but no one that you're going to really I feel like it's not going to be like a pinnacle member of, of this class. Um, you know, there might be some guys that are going to get some deep contributions, but not a, not a Quentin flowers. I think is the best way to put it. Fair enough. Uh, Seth, I mean, you've been kind of entrenched in the high school game for years. I know it's your first year out. Mm-hmm. You're still heavily involved in some respects. What, what did you see from this class? Um, you know, from today's uh, signing for USF. Uh, I thought just the things that kind of stuck out to me is how coaches were able to kind of leverage previous relationships they had um, at prior schools and kind of use that. Guys that maybe I think even a couple of them spoke about guys that were recruiting that maybe kind of outgrew where they were at. And now they're at USF. They're able to kind of go out and grab them. Um, They also recruited from some really good programs. You got Miami Central, Booker T. Washington, and then Mallard Creek in North Carolina is a really, really good program, too. Um, and I think, um, you know, they, they may have been able to hit on a couple of those guys. It's the first class, the attrition rate's really high, so you can kind of take some swings. So they have guys that, you know, maybe boomer bust type guys like a sincere Brown who's tall, fast receiver, 
like uh, I think Coach Scott said today, in a couple of years, you might be like, where did that guy come from? Uh, I really like the quarterback from Miami Central, Marsh. I think he's a really good player and got a lot of potential. Uh, big, tall, athletic guy with a really strong arm. Uh, I think he may end up being a, kind of a maybe the jewel of the class down the line. But for the what little time they had, I thought they did a really good job. And they've also made some inroads in really good high school programs, which have probably paid dividends down the line. Right. And, you know, when I wrote uh, Marsh's, you know, signing post uh, last night, I rewatched his highlight film and something that kind of stuck out. We, we kind of knew he was athletic. But he he can he can kind of zip the ball in there. There's a couple um, out routes that he threw to the far side of the field that got there in a hurry. And he's got a uh, cannon. Yeah, that was that was surprising to me, especially coming from Miami Central, where they ran the ball quite a bit last year because they had three great running backs. I think one is actually going to Tusculum, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, following Cade. Yeah. Uh, Juan something. Is it Henry? Maybe? Yeah, Juan Henry. I think he's going to uh, Tusculum. But if you watch them, I watched Miami Central play a little bit last year, and I saw them play Palmetto in the Final Four, and the quarterback was putting balls on the money, to get, but their receivers weren't very good. They were not at the level you'd say this is Miami Central receivers typically. Um, they were able to beat some other – like when they played Escambia, Escambia is not quite as athletic as, say, Palmetto or Miami Central, so those guys were wide open, but – he was putting the ball on the money on guys, and they weren't catching it. So his stat, I thought his stats kind of didn't really maybe belie the um, physical tools he has. So I think he's got a lot of room to grow. Yeah, I think I'm, ex- I'm excited about the two quarterbacks, uh, you know, especially being able to have four quarterbacks going to fall camp, which is vital. Um, you know, I think Jeff Scott said it today that, you know, Jacquez Evans has shown interest in going back to wide receiver. That's another weapon. Um, you know, he was kind of pressed into, you know, backup, backup QB duty while also running the Wildcat uh, before he got hurt. And I think it's important for him to be able to stick at one position and learn that position because that kid is super talented. And being able to have Cade Fortin, the two freshmen, Jordan McLeod in the room uh, really kind of helps solidify the the quarterback room. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be people that, you know, attrition. Who knows if someone wants to leave after spring or after fall? You know, I guess by someone, I mean, Jordan McLeod, uh, just because of who they brought in. And that's perfectly fine. But being able to have a solid foundation, having two freshmen, um, I would expect either one of them to redshirt or both, depending on how the season goes and kind of stagger it a little bit uh, more. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, again, Cesar Reyes, I really I think watching his film, he was a big dude. He's 6'5", 287. He played left tackle at Chamberlain. I think he projects to be like a right guard prospect. I think he's probably better suited there. He's not as mobile as you want your left tackle. And I think it'll be fun, especially if, you know, Jordan Smith becomes the starting quarterback. He's a lefty. Having Caesar, you know, protect your blind side at the right guard is not the worst thing in the world for sure. Um, Let's see. I was going to say, Uriah, is it Uriah or is it Uriah? I know Uriah, like Uriah, Uriah favor. Yeah, Uriah is also pretty, pretty hefty boy as well. He's 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 another guy that I can see kind of getting some good playing time this year as well, just because he obviously came from a, a, a pretty talented program as well yeah. up in mm-hmm. North Carolina. You know, I think he he can be a contributor. And then David Anderton, um, you know, whatever status he has, I, I think that he he's kind of the Swiss Army knife of the of the class. You know, he can play center. He can play, play left tackle. He probably play guard if he really needs to. Um, you know, I think I think Jeff Scott, you know, knew that offensive line was going to be an issue, and he got three guys who he could plug in and probably you know see great success with. And I think this class—they're not done with this class. I think transfers uh, that will be coming in will kind of end this class up. He said himself today he wants 14 scholarship linemen. Uh, the two they signed today put them at 12, I think. So he still wants two more ideally. So where are you going to get those two? in the transfer portal probably so yep uh and as we move on here we have a special guest um former daily stampede writer contributor uh we have bulls 24 7 editor mastermind recruiting guru for the usf bulls will turner is here he made an appearance in south tampa so i appreciate you coming on will and helping answer uh our old people questions about recruiting and um, you know, hopefully, 
you know, enlighten some folks. Um, first of all, I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts, you know, holistically about this class. What did you like? What would you have liked to see from this class? And we'll go from there. Well, first of all, thanks for bringing me back on. I think I was on this once when I worked with TDOs. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I was on it once because we, we didn't do a whole lot over the summer. Um, but yeah, so class, holistically, they did a pretty good job of getting everybody back. Especially, I, th- I think what I'm most impressed with is their ability to keep the secondary together uh, between Chris Townsell, Matt Harris, AJ Hamilton, and who am I forgetting? Ben Knox. Ben Knox, yeah. <clears throat> so with those four guys, you keep Townsville's already on campus um, as an early enrollee, but you get four very quality guys that are quality individuals, not just quality football players. And um, I think they're going to be really, really good, especially I think the one that probably has the best chance of being being the best out of all of them is Ben Knox. Very long, um, cor- very long cornerback played uh, alongside uh, Avante Williams, who's a safety that uh, shocked the world and went to uh, Miami, as opposed to 15 crystal ball picks that had him going to Florida. Um, <laughs> thanks for dropping me from fourth to 17th. Appreciate that. No, but I think that kind of will help him. Well, it has helped Knox develop. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player for USF. I think Townsville is going to be really good because that Deerfield Beach program is known for getting kids ready to go to college. Um, and I think Mac Harris could be a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he could play either safety or cornerback. He can also play a variety of offensive positions. So if he decides to switch to the other side of the ball, he could do that. Um, and A.J. Hamilton can do a lot of different things, too. I kind of project him a little bit more as a nickelback, considering he's only 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, five, um, but again, played with a played with another uh, guy that's another guy in the secondary at Dunellen that's going to Florida. So, um, you know, some of these guys have been groomed very, very well. Christopher, uh, Chris Townsville, obviously, Deerfield Beach. I mean, they had 11, 12 guys going D1. Um, and even a guy like Mac Harris, who was kind of the star of the villages, had some very good players around him. Uh, aside from that, I think they did a good job just rebounding the class. I mean, I would have liked to have seen another running back potentially, or maybe another, even another wide receiver, or maybe another defensive lineman, particularly on the defensive end position. Um, but yeah, I think they did a good job, especially in the offensive line, kind of bringing back. Um, some guys that they missed, uh, Miller Mary Weather, Weather Lewis just signed a Coffeeville today, so he's going to go Juco. Um, so you didn't really lose a lot on the decommitment. De- they didn't really project up. Chris Love ended up at Maryland. I think that was probably the highest. Evan Webster was FAMU, I think. So mm-hmm. um, you didn't lose a lot on the O-line in terms of quality. So... I think they did a good job rebounding. Caesar's going to be a star. I think Caesar's the key to recruiting Tampa Bay again. I think he's going to open up a lot of opportunities, especially at a school like Chamberlain that is, you know, kind of in the heart of Hillsborough County and has a lot of good players that have gone through that program um, over the years, especially in the last five under Jason Lane. Uh, yeah, I think aside from that, I mean, you look at grabbing kids from out of state. I think Sincere Brown's going to be a pretty good pickup at 6'4", 6'5", going to need to put on some weight. Uh, Holden Willis will be good. Um, as, as Stieg said, he's uh, Jeff Scott feels confident that he'll be able to transition well from wide, from wide receiver to tight end. I think so as well, but I need to see it for my own eyes. Um, I think this year gonna, you're obviously going to see a lot of Jacob Mathis. I think you're going to see some Fred Lloyd um, and some Chris Carter. I think you're going to see all three of them, but Willis is kind of a guy that I think will, will, will manifest uh, some guys that, you know, I think will, will fly under the radar, but have a potential to be really, really good. Tramel Logan, I think is going to be really good um, at the defensive end spot played in a lot of tough ball games um, for Booker T schedule was very tough while he was there. Uh, Katravis Marsh. I was ecstatic when USF landed him because I had watched the film against Palmetto. That was a game I was going going to go to if I didn't go to the USF UCF game. But I watched that film against Palmetto. Um, 
you know, and I, I've talked to his defensive coordinator a lot, and he really seems to like him. Uh, Jordan Smith will be really good, I think, as well, if he could get a chance. Um, I think both quarterbacks have the chance to to shine. Um, in what role? Who knows? Um, but I, I think, yeah, some staggering will have to will have to occur. Um, just kind of get a feel. Um, but yeah, and, and as Jeff Scott said today, these every position's <coughs> wide open right now. Quarterbacks wide open, safety's wide open, kickers wide open, everything is wide open. He said that he has not watched a single minute of film from last year. Luck good. <laughs> Lucky. I can't say that. Yeah, I can't say that. Blame him. I don't believe that, brother. Uh, oh, absolutely not. He's yeah. he's exaggerating for the masses. Very nice. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I think. I think every position is wide open. I think there's going to be a lot of reevaluation. Um, a lot of people have asked me, why have we not seen more transfers go in? I don't think that happens until after the spring because I think guys are going to, you know, kind of see how this spring goes and then kind of feel it out. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of some holistic thoughts. Yeah, real quick, you mentioned that some of the decommits. I'm just pulling up the list here from uh, your site, decommits, Tate. Went to Florida State, Tyree goes to West uh, Virginia Tech. Marquez goes to Cincinnati. Tyler Braun goes to Kent State. Miller goes to JUCO. Vincent Starling, he is a three-star, fairly fairly rated yeah. three-star, goes 25. to South Dakota. Uh, Frankie Burgess, I think, was a package deal to Maryland, I want to say. Or maybe he just went on his own. Let me no, he went, on, he went on his own. He was projecting up because... Um, this was like his only one or two year, first or second year playing football or right. whatnot, and he was projecting up quite a bit. So I think that was kind of in the cards. Chris Love, Maryland, Evan Webster, FAMU, Gilbert, South Carolina, Daquan Bailey Brown. Did he sign? It's a great. Question. Is he going to run back Dodge City again? Uh, no, he signed Special with Southern Miss he's, today. He's, so he signed with um Southern Miss. USA. Yeah. Okay. Um, Gentle Hunt, he went... He had a family emergency and did not sign today, according to the Gainesville High Twitter. I don't know where he's going. Okay. Um, and then Chance Coleman, the Gaither grad linebacker, is FIU. Uh, F- FIU. Theron Keith didn't sign today. So yeah, <clears throat> some of these guys that... I, I don't know if the, the previous coaching staff just missed on them or, or trying to take some chances on guys that did project up because they were recruiting and coaching for their lives because I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall here. Um, but again, you know, the, I think the, the biggest misses were Tate and, and Bell and Saunders, really. Those top three guys uh, will be missed. But you you replace them either. You know, Tate, Tate gets switched out for Travis Marsh. Not that big of a loss, um, you know, recruiting ranking-wise. Um, we'll see what plays out. Tate just needed Mike Norvell to offer him again. And that's kind of what happened was like he, I mean, he was an all, he ended up being an all American, um, which, right. you know, and I think the writing was kind of on the wall. He was a silent to pit before Norvell kind of swooped in again for the second time. Cause he offered him while he was at Memphis. And I think that was kind of all he needed to hear because uh, Valdosta is only maybe an hour and a half, two hour drive to Tallahassee. If that's even that long. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say it's so, a pretty quick drive. <laughs> and, and especially now that his dad is has been fired at Valdosta as head coach, he'll have more time to go see his kid. Yeah, uh, and that's a, that's a whole different story. Absolutely. That's a whole different can of worms, right there. Absolutely. Um, so, Will, we had, as I mentioned, Gilbert Edmonds um, was set to sign with USF today until about seven thirty. 745? Yeah. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that? And, you know, what did you learn? What have you learned since uh, his commitment to uh, Will Muschamp and uh, in the South Carolina Gamecocks? Well, I had texted him last night because a couple of people, or I had texted him um, a couple days ago. I texted him Sunday, actually, because a couple of people on my board were, were concerned that he was going to project up for power five. Another guy like Frankie Burgess that um, another guy like Frankie Burgess who was projecting up first year playing football, first year playing defensive end, excuse me, 22 tackles for loss on the year. Um, Heard he had been, 
trending for a Power 5 offer, looking for uh, Mississippi State, maybe Tennessee, Florida State. He canceled his official visits to Tennessee and Florida State um, after he committed to USF, which could have been the Jeff Scott saying, you're not going to take any visits once you de- once you commit. Um, so I texted him on Sunday. I get a response late last night. He says, yeah, everything's good. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, he's going to sign. And I think it, and I didn't know when he was going to sign. I couldn't find a time on Twitter. So I wasn't sure if it was morning or afternoon. I write till like four fifteen in the morning. I get a story done and all that stuff. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of writing on the wall. Wake up at probably eight thirty, maybe nine o'clock, close to nine o'clock, and uh, one of the first things I see from John Santucci of uh, TC Palm says that he's flipped South Carolina. I'm kind of stuck in you know the the days of only being up for maybe five minutes at that point, and I'm and I'm like okay, so I kind of start looking it over and put it on the board. Um, apparently his timeline was at around 7.15, his co- uh, the South Carolina coach that he had been in contact with had, co- had texted his head coach, uh, had texted his head coach, said that it wasn't looking good, that he was probably going to end up signing with USF. Something changes. I don't know what it was. I think it was uh, Reggie Grimes, if memory serves somebody put it on the board was it birch still hasn't signed birch, birch i don't think has signed yeah, yeah yeah birch birch went quiet this morning which was big because birch is like one of the top defensive ends in the country to be signed and he was signing to south carolina and i think him and all of his teammates didn't sign and will muschamp was at his signing ceremony sitting like maybe 10 feet away from him and his son goes to the same school yeah and they just Apparently he didn't sign. So yeah. So Grimes had Grimes had signed to Oklahoma today. Um, he had committed back in November, but I think South Carolina was pretty high on him and thinking that they might be able to flip him. They don't flip him; they go for Gilbert. So within 15 minutes, that same coach texted the, the Westwood head head coach saying that things have changed. There a go. The NLI gets faxed over to Fort Pierce Westwood. I think he gets in at 8.55, which was already, Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, which was already nearly a half an hour into the signing yeah, ceremony. Yeah, so it was 30 minutes into the actual ceremony for all the players. Right. He got his NLI put in front so, of So, of course, with that, the writing was kind of on a wall. Boom, goes South Carolina. I have not heard anything more since. I have not heard why. I'm assuming it was the only reason I can put together is the fact that he was gunning for a Power 5 offer. They said he went on a – they did like a tour and they went to camp there last summer and he went there and kind of fell in love with it. So as soon as they offered, he was on it basically. He saw the campus during the summer, I guess, and liked it. So Yeah. So, he, yeah, he was was the big – he was a big flip and I was kind of surprised. Um – uh, the timeline was was kind of surprising, but that's I guess the fun and thrill of National Signing Days. You don't know what the heck's going to happen until it actually happens, right? And uh, to transition, we we kind of figured Marquez Bell wasn't going to sign with USF, but it was never completely out of the question. Um, he was he put USF in his top four prior to his visits. It was uh, USF. Cincy, Indiana, and Virginia. Virginia, correct. Yeah, um, I think Virginia never had a shot. Virginia could not guarantee him admission. They wanted him, but they couldn't guarantee admission. I okay. don't know why. I don't know. I, they claim it was grades, but everybody um, claims it's grades now. I don't think Indiana had a real shot. If I'm yeah, I Indiana. Was, Indiana was more of the they didn't have a shot. Virginia wanted him. And he wanted to potentially go to Virginia, but the the admission factor, right? So it was between Cincinnati and USF. Um, you know, he was I think one, the first guy to decommit after Charlie Strong got fired. Yeah. Um, Jeff Scott had kind of tried to at least make him a priority for as long as he possibly could, and it seems like his offer got pulled recently or never got reoffered. What was the the situation with Bell that kind of made it? 
known he there was he was not coming to USF. So first of all, he had scheduled three visits after the dead period. He had scheduled USF on that first weekend, which was the January 17th weekend. The seven for seven weekend. Correct. For those Correct. like that reference. And I'll and I'll kind of tie that into it because I, I was kind of confused at first with that whole timeline. Um then he then it was Cincinnati on the 24th and then Virginia on the 31st. Now I had heard from a recruit that there were seven official visitors. I had eight expected, the eighth being Chamberlain wide receiver Caleb Long. That Caleb was not on the visit. Um, Again, a whole nother story. Um, But I had heard seven, which sounded right. And I said, okay, well, if Caleb didn't go, because I had, you know, the story kind of ran together. And then... Somebody texted me telling me that Marquez didn't take the visit. And I'm like, well, and I think I texted you, Nate. We were sitting at a basketball game. Yeah, we were talking, we were talking about, we're about like, oh, the who was the seventh. Right. And the seventh turned up to be Uriah Green, which I didn't I didn't see coming at first. You're not keeping up to date with North Carolina offensive guards. Come on, Will. I have. Yeah, Jesus, that's not my area of expert. I didn't even write his commitment article. Clemson writer did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that he does, I find out he doesn't take the visit. I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe that, maybe that was the key there. He he not taking the USF visit kind of, um, but I don't know if the staff canceled it or if he just didn't show up. Um, I'm more primed to think that the staff may have canceled it. Um, I learned late last night that his offer was pulled. Literally, I get out of the press avail- availability with Ken Erickson at the softball game last night, and boom, I get a text that says his offer was pulled. Um, So his offer was reportedly pulled, which if it's pulled, then that kind of, that, that, that's yeah, it. Going. Yeah. Um, But then I had heard a couple of rumblings, and I talked to somebody last night that there was a chance – um, that there was a chance of uh, scholarship him coming up. back, yeah, right. because of because of Edmonds' flip. But by that point, it's morning of signing day. He's already at school. He's already got the shirt on underneath his jacket. It's kind of already a done deal. So you take off. You know, it, it turns ten o'clock. I'm thinking because they have that live stream at ten o'clock with Scott Weiss Jr. and Spencer. I'm thinking, okay, well, they you know might have centered it around his commitment. Well, and I, we come to find out that that was a sit down talk show. <laughs> um, wasted an hour of my life watching that. So basically, Bell pulls out a, so, so a yeah, USF so, hat. So there you go. Yeah, tell a story. I'm <laughs> so I'm I'm watching his his cute uh, uh, sons uh, just uh, writing up a storm, just you know hanging out and uh, surprisingly well behaved for basically a one year old at yeah. a signing ceremony, yeah. sitting in front of dozens of people, waiting for his dad to finally talk, mm-hmm. and. You know, he pulls out the USF hat. I swear. I, I scream. I'm, I was I'm, like, I'm let's sitting, go. I'm sitting in uh, my one of my offices has like uh, like some side like breakout rooms. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make some calls here while watching this video. And I see him put on the USF hat and I give a huge pump like fist. Bump. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I see him like throw the hat away. And I'm like. Oh no! He signs for Cincinnati, and that's fine. Um, Godspeed to you. Uh, let me yeah. tell you though, I had Cincinnati fans on my board after that, and let me tell you, geez, I have not seen, I've not seen more salt on my board ever in the six months I've been writing for two four seven. I had Cincinnati fans like going, "Ha ha! He didn't want to come to USF. They didn't pull his offer. He just didn't want to go there." And I'm like. Can you get off? Relax. Yeah. I have USF news. Oh, hey, Colin. Hey, Colin. Hi, Colin. Hi, guys. Uh, softball game's been home opener's been moved from 630 to 330 and more due to potential weather implications. Oh, I could have told you that. You knew that. So. Hours ago. Yeah, well. <laughs> so I have a question. Okay. This class ranking on your 
website. Yeah. 92nd, correct? 100th now. 100th now. Because of David Anderson, I had to uh, take, I took him off the board because his offer was a PWO. Okay. Not a scholarship, so he doesn't count. So you don't have to do the transfers. Should count well, it doesn't count to the rankings. Right. So here's the thing. Portal. How many spots available? Who are they looking at? Who can they get? Um, Will Turner, do you happen to have the Daily Stampede watermarked uh, scholarship distribution break I breakdown? Can, I can pull it up right now. Thanks for As, that. Uh, propri- proprietary. This is what we. This is what we do, though. We help each other out. Exactly. So Jeff Scott t- said today at his introductory press conference, or made it seem like they are going to have the scholarship space to sign 25 and for the class of 2021. Right. So they, I was told by the previous staff that they had the full 25 to play with. They didn't sign the full 25 last year. So they were able to backdate. I think you can backdate up to six. And I think they were able to backdate three, the three guys, the true, the three freshmen that came in in January, they were able to backdate them to actually 2019. So there's, the roster, the scholarship massaging that has happened over the last two years um, with this this team is it's um, it's, it's magical. I mean, we were in mid we were during mid fall camp, and I was trying to get who was on scholarship, and we were told uh, we don't know yet. We're still working some things out. We were trying to backdate and work some things around, maybe a gray shirt. And it's like, it, it, it was a pain in the ass. Um, Here's what we do know. We do know that three players, and I'm not giving their names out because I don't know if they know. Three players have received, three walk-on players have received scholarships. And that was done before Charlie Strong was fired. Yep. Um, so by our count, if I'm not missing anyone, and this is including Bo Peak, who has not been announced, Jared Sackett's on scholarship, the new kicker, uh, Trent Schneider's on scholarship. Uh, they've added some freshmen. Uh, I uneducatedly educated, I believe they have about four to five scholarships to play with if yeah. our numbers are correct. Mm, and, right. um, we've worked very hard to curate this list of scholarships um by position god i i don't know how to work excel it well enough to do it by class then by position so this is very rudimentary um news here but i would say four to five scholarships remaining um the max is 85 so you can kind of guess the number from here okay so if we've got five to six remaining um targets who's coming like who who's getting in the door because hundred second rank hundred second rank class uh, or hundred class uh, not fam is it, I mean look I understand transition and all that kind of stuff but man that means you're fa- you're behind some sunbelt schools listen yeah, yeah so 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 the tagger to strong class of 2017 for reference ranked 76th. But still fifth in the conference, and but the average rating was a point one eight was a point eight one six five, and this year's class is a point three one or point eight three one three, so, so you're basically two points higher, and that's you know I love so you're getting 20, be, right so you're getting better players you're just getting less of them and and that's correct. the problem with these things is that they don't calculate the average should mean as much as anything. And Correct. I completely and that, agree with that. But that's a, that's a 24 seven thing. And I get, the, I get the, I get what they're doing here, but being able to sort it by average rating instead of the points may be beneficial to give a true barometer of what these teams are doing. Because, you know, when USF was running good and they were in the mid sixties with everyone signed during the summer and what are, you know, committed during the summer, you look and you see that, Okay, all the top teams are that are below them. Their average rating is still much higher. Just USF has more committed. All right. So it's kind of a balancing act. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put so much stock into the rank. Put it into the average rating and then go from there. Like his Charlie Strong's transitional class. Uh, Natron Cole, Pepper gone. Kayvon Dingle gone. Uh, Jabril Stevens hasn't seen the field. 
Nick Roberts has played. Marcellus hasn't played. Demetrius Harris is a starter. Bentley Sanders is a starter. Jannard Phillips barely played. St. Felix lost his hands. Lloyd may get more run. Darian Grant, sporadic. LaPointe, sporadic. Kirsten Johnson gone. Donnell, Donnell Thomas gone. Jeremiah Stafford in, in the, the portal. Oh, he just signed with Southern. Oh, good for him. So, uh, Kegler. Uh, Chauncey Smart, the track star, is at Idaho. Idaho. He's running track at Idaho. No, he's playing football. Oh, good for him. I know he <laughs> went to Miami for track. Uh, Durant Bell is gone. Kevin Kelvin Pinckney, uh, sporadic. And it, you know, one impact guy. I mean, I guess you could argue for Bell. And RSF has certainly made some plays. Bentley at Sanders as well. Bentley Sanders. And Bentley Sanders. Yeah. All right. That's not enough. That's not enough impact players. That then that, that's the transition class. So if we yeah. can, if we can hit on more. With this transition class, which I think I think we can all agree that I think we will see more players providing impact in two years than we did during the first two years of the Charlie Strong transition class. Absolutely. No, and someone asked me this earlier. Um, you know what the what the rankings matter and all that other stuff. And, and realistically, in the group of five, once if unless you're Cincinnati who signs three four star kids. Your main objective now is not to get the highest rated kids. It's the guys that you can develop the most talent around and, and develop their talent as well. So I, I wouldn't take the rankings as much this year, particularly like than in years past, just because, you know, for the first class and everything, let's see how Scott can develop these kids. And I'm, um, I, it's all the it's all I don't know though if you can look at it like that. It's about especially in the first class is accumulating as much as you can, I think. And they were, I think this is going to be a little bit different just because all these guys aren't coming from, it's not like when strong came, he's coming from Texas where they're recruiting not only just the state of Texas a lot, but those really, really high level players. A lot of these coaches are coming from, you got guys coming from FAU coastal Carolina. They were already kind of recruiting at this level, maybe a little bit below. And they were really trying hard to get these better guys to come to their schools now, once they got to USF, that kind of bumps them up to maybe it's easier to recruit that higher caliber of player. So you may see less of that. But I think there is like a it's like a 45 percent uh, non-retention for transition classes or something mm-hmm. like something to that effect. So so you know, here you may half these guys may never play it down. Yeah. So here is the average recruit ranking compared to the. um where they are in the class. Number one, obviously, Cincinnati. Uh, SMU is seventh in the class rankings, but they are second in average recruit rating. Memphis, they are fifth total, third average. UCF at fourth. That is level in both. Tulane is second in the American in total. They are sixth in average. USF is ninth. They are seventh in average recruiting rank. East Carolina is third, and they are eighth in average recruiting rank. And everyone else seventh in average recruiting rank in eleven in eleven team league, where there are schools like Tulsa. I mean, I know UConn's gone, but like Navy, Navy by recruiting rank is never going to have better players than us, right? Navy's last. Yeah, of course, but they can get fifty kids, so they can, you know, that's fine. Yep. Um, the I got look, man. I'm not, I, this is not Jeff Scott's fault. I'm not blaming anybody. You know this. This is just the. This is where your program is right now. You're not going to be very good at football this year. You're probably not considering this. You're probably not going to be real good at football next year. You know, like this is going to be a. We're looking at two years of dog shit here. I'm just throwing it out there. Like team that we saw this year, not very good. These kids that we're getting, not very good. Like not good enough to compete at the top of the league. And I think the standard for this program has to be conference championship competitive or fail. And this is not, this ain't good enough. So well, I think he's already framing this year is uh, if you kind of look at the, what yeah. he's saying between the lines, yeah. he's already saying he's talking and about, I appreciate we're that. building a long term program, a program, 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 not for one year. I think he kind of knows. knows and it, he you knows. know, it's the, I think Willie Taggart kind of went the opposite direction at Florida State, where he said, we don't have any turds on here on this roster. And it, it, sh- it backfired on him tremendously. One, I was just going to make that exact same point, that, that Willie screwed up the, the expectation management so badly 
that it probably cost him his job more than faster than it should have. Like the, even with the losing, if he had managed expectations better, I think he'd probably still be there. Right. It's so, so Scott being able to, you know, still be excited about the future, but also realistic about the short term one, maybe two year rebuild that is, we're staring at. And it okay. is this bad enough? We can call it your minus one. Well, when he spoke about it, it could, yeah. when well, he spoke you, about two yeah. or three of the players specifically, he specifically said, yeah, in a couple years, you're going to see this guy and be like, wow. He didn't say next year. He's coming. I mean, he doesn't obviously want to put those expectations. Sure. But I mean, guys that I think some people may be thinking are coming in and playing, such as uh, Holden Willis. I think it might have been even you that asked the question in the presser about him needing to gain weight, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, yeah, in a couple, in a couple years, he'll be. He's at 204. So I think, I think tight he, he knows that. Whatever he can squeeze out of the team next year is gravy, and then the year after that because they've already started. You can kind of see they they kind of they brought in those seven for seven guys. They're like, all right, twenty twenty one, let's get going, and they've already started on twenty twenty one. Which Neil Brown, when he went to WVU, said that was his biggest that was the biggest problem he had is it's not the transition classes that you lose a lot of time for the next year's class. Right. So you're almost having two transition classes in a row with the early signing period. So the fact that they were able to get started on next year already, I think, is a good sign. But yeah, I don't think I think this year's going to be tough. And I think he he said that in the presser today that you know at Cle- this is j- recruiting in January for the say, for that year's class is very foreign to him because at Clemson they've got this stuff wrapped up in December even with the early right. signing period late they, signing period they've, they've already got eight commits for their 2021 class right they they work because I mean because they are Clemson because they are and they only a take your commit if you're if you're done with the process too that's right things so. and you know that's. It, it was an interesting transition for him, and I think he he's still going to be learning for 2021 that, you know, you may still be recruiting you know, until, uh, you know, February 4th or, you know, the day before signing day, making sure your, your class stays intact here. And that's totally okay. Like, look, I, this is not just Scott's fault, but I think USF fans need to manage some expectations here and realize that unless this portal blows up, and we're talking a full SMU here, like – you know, 30. Yeah. I'm, and I'm cool with that, by the way, like whatever it takes, man. But if that's, if they're going to try and build this program through the high schools of Florida, which is long-term, how you have to build this program, this team's going to suck next year. Well, that's what we talked about <laughs> when, when I gave my super hot fire take that strong shouldn't be fired. My reason was your, best chance, class, your yeah. best chance to be decent next year is to but you can't think keep like as much as you can together. But long term, it was the right move. But right. You got to burn it. You, you so this to, year, you kind of punted on it. You're burning the village to save it. And yeah. that's the only way that this is going to. That's OK. Um, but I'm saying this preemptively for a lot of our fans out there that are going to be super frustrated this year. And for Jamie in our Slack channel. OK, because Jamie in our Slack channel is going to like basically want to set himself on fire the entire time and threaten like to jump off a bridge in in Dallas, Texas and whatever. He's already doing that. He's already, yeah. Like, and there's going to be other fans like that. I mean, like, why do I invest in time? Why do I invest in this program? Well, if you're invested now, um, just realize that investing for this year isn't going to do you a lot of good probably and invest for, you know, go to the road trips. I'm still going to Austin. I'm going to the game. I'm, I'll be there. I'm not missing any of this. This is still my team and whatever, but like it's going to be a a long slog. And as Brian Gregory showed, you can get over the top and it's not always going to be like smooth sailing and up all the way, but it can be done. Aggression is not linear. Correct. If I had to pick, if I had to pick three guys that I think are going to contribute this year. And I say three, because I think only three guys will have a real shot at contributing. Three guys that I think can contribute next year is going to be Tua Tupo because there's a need for defensive tackles um, and need a general need along the defensive line. I think Tremel Logan is going to be another one along the defensive line that can make an instant impact simply because there's no defensive ends. Uh, and the third, I think, uh, I'll give it an or, is either going to be Cesar Reyes or Uriah Green. And I say that because there's a desperate need along the offensive line. I would say Cesar before Uriah um, because I think Cesar might be a little bit more ready and he can play either guard or tackle. But I think one of the offensive linemen they're bringing in, whether it's Ray Reyes, Green, or Anderton, will 
play at some point next year. But I only see like three guys making an impact. And I think the defensive end thing may even be depending on how they play. Um, you may be able to if they're going to play three down the way he was playing uh, a little bit at FAU. You may be able to slide a D tackle type body over it and play end. And then you can play your more athletic guys outside. So, and basically the kind of opposite of what they did with Kirk Livingstone last year. Well, I mean, he, he would fit. Tackle. He would fit to a T. He could play that, you know, in tackle hybrid role. But, um, but you may be able to get some of those guys at playing outside backer to your linebackers. Um, I think you got some pretty good ones coming back. And then maybe you can add one of these athletic freshmen there. Maybe Logan could fit in there. It's like more of a outside backer up on yeah. the line of scrimmage a lot type guy. Yeah. So And if they play like that, then 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 Levante could, Cam, could definitely yeah. He yeah. could he could fit into that role. And especially Bellamy. if they yeah. Bellamy's another. But if you're talking just as classic yeah, yeah, ca- cameo. Um mm-hmm. just because of the oh, fact that Bellamy. if you need an extra outside linebacker because I don't know what your depth is like inside. Um because as far as I know, Andrew Mims is going to be starting next year at inside linebacker. Uh, so you're probably going to have to move Boyles and 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 Greer and try and figure out something there. Boyles played a bunch on the line of scrimmage last year, so I think if they're if along with they're Reeves, do, yeah, if that's what they're going to do, he could probably he could be that outside backer kind of hybrid yeah. guy that really provides a lot of problems. That's going to be the fun part of the spring is seeing how much is going to be adapted and changed across that front seven. Because I think you can basically with who's left right now you could realistically kind of pick and choose and mix match whoever was starting and whoever was back up and everything like that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw, you know, Jason Vaughn too far away from, you know, making contributing uh, starting time next year. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things about this staff basically going into complete rebuild mode. Um, you know, the depth's there. It's just, you know, they need, I think fresh eyes is going to help on it. Yeah. I think Will's kind of knocked it on the head that, that these are the three guys that I think for me, at least, we'll uh, see some extensive playing time. And, you know, Collins mentioned, you know, where where are these transfer porter guys? You know, Seth, you brought up, well, there's 12 guys on the offensive line right now. Jeff wants 14. I think after spring we'll see, you know, where the guys on the – I think spring is going to be – those 15 practices are going to be key for the people in the program to make a name for themselves in front of Scott and the new coaching staff uh, to at least show that maybe we can do it. I know – um, Dustin Hall may be an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Hopple needs to prove that he's not a turnstile. It, it, the thing Dustin, with, Dustin Hall could end up starting, actually. The thing with that is they're going to be asked, if you hear Scott talk today, he's talking about we want guys that can move, the guys that can run inside zone and outside zone and get a second level. Well, that's what the previous, the very last offensive staff wanted too, and they didn't have it on campus. So. Maybe they'll develop it, but they're probably going to have to go outside. Now, the two guys they signed today, they both thought are pretty athletic, and if you watch them, they are moving pretty good for how big they are. But I think they're going to, they may have to go off campus or, you know, um, maybe they'll just roll with some freshmen and let them get experience. If, this is, if you're kind of going to have a loss year anyways, you might as well play young guys. So. Right. And and I, I do think one of the receivers will make could make an – or one of the kind of one of the smaller skill guys. I think Batie might be a, a breakout. Yeah, or the Dawson so kid. Dawson as well. Um, I don't know if Dawson's going to be ready. That's my only concern. I don't think Dawson is going to be ready just yet. Basically. However, because I don't, I don't, I think there's going to be too much competition at the slot to, for him to kind of crack the depth chart because you've got McDoom. I know a lot of these guys haven't haven't done. Much. I think McDoom moves outside. Think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, as of right now, I think him and Randall St. Felix at the X and Z or X and Y, whatever that X and Z. X and and Z. I mean, it depends on who you are. You could be either way. uh, Are going to be your two outside guys, and then they'll put you know (laughs) Johnny Ford still hovering. He's still here. (laughs) He is still hovering over this program. He's uh, not suspended. I think as of right now, as when I am saying these words at eight seventeen p.m. February fifth. I think they got him. At, I think they got him at tailback. I now. think he, I think he's going to go back to tailback. because they said uh, Weiss said today they got a couple guys that can take a five yard run and make it a fifty yard run and they've only got two of them on the roster. So if they're both their running back, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, 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 it's Kelly Joyner, Joyner. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah. Ford. So that was Sarita. easy. Come on. 
easy to duck. Darren so. Felix is also a wild card, but uh, in the graphic they put out receiver. today, they listed him at wide receiver. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So who knows? Chris <laughs> Townsell's listed at safety on that graphic they put out. I mean, it's all moving parts until you get them on the field and see what they're doing in the spring. But for our purposes right now on February 5th at 818 now, this is what we know. We've got a lot of I thinks and uh, until we get closer to spring and seeing what this team can kind of do, it's going to be a lot of I thinks instead of I knows. And uh, I know for a fact we like to deal with the I knows more than the I thinks. Mm. Uh, well, at least at our website. I don't know what Will likes to do. He may just like to throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. But who taught you that? <laughs> Not us. Uh, um, and <laughs> I think, let's see, is there anything else, any pressing needs? Uh, you know, going back to the defense, um, I think Glenn Spencer said it today, as every uh, defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator have ever said in any press conference when they first get the job is, we're going to be multiple. <laughs> we're not going to be one thing. We're going to be multiple. We're going to sit back and not attack and just take what they give us. No, everyone also. Yeah, you know, we're you know we're gonna we're gonna blitz when the time's right. We're not gonna be predictable. We're we're gonna be aggressive, hard hitting, tenacious defense. Sure. Who knows? To his credit, they were at FAU. They were really aggressive. So they led the nation in interceptions, had interceptions and turnovers, uh, takeaways, both. Yeah, interceptions. So. It, it makes sense. They had some skills there, the skill players there. I think the back end of this defense is probably the most secure. I think it's the best unit on the team. I agree. I mean, KJ, KJ, Mike, yeah, KJ, stuff, Mike. Vincent Davis, Daquan Evans, Bentley, Mackay, Nick. Nick, for all of his faults, has a lot of tackles. Has the most interceptions. He got a team, lot. So. He got a lot better down the stretch last year. He may. Uh, do you think he could fit in like a more of like a Hybrid, almost outside backer safety role. I feel like uh, yeah. he, I think yeah, the closer think, to the line of scrimmage he is, the better for him in the defense. I think if he he's is, very aggressive. If they're going to mm-hmm. play that, if he they're going to play that three down kind of tight front look that they did in the bowl game, which he said, you know, like you said, they're multiple. But if he plays the tight front stuff, he'll have kind of those outside backer safety hybrids in there. And maybe that's a place where he can maybe shine a little bit more because right. he, is, just he does love to come downhill. Just don't be like BYU and rush three and drop eight every time. I don't That was the weirdest thing. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how they won any games. There was a terrible, terrible <laughs> I think that kind of wraps up signing day. If um, we can kind of go from there, uh, real quick, we'll just briefly touch some stuff. Uh, softball played Team USA last night in the uh, stand beside her tour for Team USA, uh, coached by USF head coach Ken Erickson, which is uh, a true honor. Uh, he's not going to be coaching USF this year. Jessica Moore will be the interim head coach. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for her to grow as a coach, for Ken to get the exposure. Um, it, it, and for these girls, for these USF softball players to play against the best softball team in the world um, is something that they'll always remember. And I think uh, Ken's done a great job of growing the game in Tampa and Florida and it, it, just in within USF, the 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 culture of USF and knowing it, you've got softball who's always going to be good. And that's huge. And I'm excited to see what this women's team can do. Well, you were there last night, right? I was, I was, it was a fantastic environment. Georgina Korik stud or stud? Uh, whichever is, is more of a stud. So, so she, she loaded the bases in the first and I think had two on in the second and I think she had another two on in the, in, in the third, but she got out of trouble, um, allowed one run on a wild pitch, which you could really chalk that up to just pitcher catcher, not being familiar with each other because, uh, AJ Carter was getting her, uh, first start behind the plate. Um, represent Riverview alum. Uh, yeah, so I think you could really chalk that up to just them not knowing each other as as well. Um, that relationship will grow. I think Carter's going to end up being the everyday catcher. Cork is, is fantastic. I also think uh, Brittany Hook is going to be pretty good. She has improved a lot. Um, and 
that defense is stupid good. I mean, that relay. Oh, four-woman oh. relay last night. That was mm-hmm. just textbook. Uh, yeah, it was phenomenal. And when you have when you have Anna Bruni going gap to gap from left center to right center, you're gonna be the best defensive team in the conference. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be exciting to to see this team grow and um, you they know, can get that offense right. Though, yeah, I mean, Georgina Cork's gonna be uh, dropping dingers, so <laughs> apparently uh, she's gonna be hitting this year, which. I, you know, I, I think she did it in high school and was decent. And I think they she either wanted to or they needed, you know, her and the, her bat in the lineup a little bit more. Um, I'm excited for it. She wants to drop bombs and I'm excited to see, you know, our, our pitcher strike you out 12 times and then drop a bomb on you. So uh, that's it for softball. I think they start tomorrow, uh, as Colin mentioned earlier in the podcast. Who knows if it's going to get cut out or not? There was a lot of. There was some shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so they play Illinois State at 3.30, ring ceremony during that. Um, and then the USF Rawlings Invitational. I have the schedule um, on my calendar. They play Fresno State Friday at 4.30. Uh, they play Michigan at 4.15 on Saturday. Georgia State at 8.45 on Saturday. And then Florida at 2.30 on Sunday. And then they open up with the St. Pete Clearwater Invite, which is going to be a great time. Yep. Um, so we'll, you know, look out for that. They're gonna. Be, I think they're gonna be really good. I think they were picked first to in the conference yep. again this year. Um, men's and women's basketball up and down. Men's basketball. I, I don't think we've talked since that. I have things to say. Oh, Colin has things to say. Men's basketball beat UCF. For the first time since I think March fifth, two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen, it was a it was a phenomenal job by this team. I think they they responded well to uh, the up and down nature of their their season so far. Uh, they came back what they they beat Tulane and um, went last Wednesday and then came back and uh, and whooped up on UCF. It was UCF's season low for points and their lowest point of the season according to head coach Johnny Dawkins. Well, which let's, was awesome. So, so let me add a, a, a thing there. I watched that game. Um, UCF couldn't throw it in the ocean. They're not very good. Um, mm-hmm. How that team was like a tip away from beating Duke. However, that was the – when that shot did not go in, we knew they were going to fall off. How far they have fallen off this fast I think is kind of surprising. Um, it's almost like Johnny Dawkins isn't maybe a great head coach yeah, at this level. Him. Mm, um, interesting. I'm just saying that all the things I said about Johnny Dawkins before he got here might be coming true. So um, as far as the women's team, um, they are probably underperforming where we thought they would be. Absolutely. They've had injury problems. Yep. They have not played well. Correct. They still play hard. They do. Um, and I, so I think the effort is still there. there. I think there have been times this team with the men's team this season where the effort's been a smidge down by spotty. 10 and you, you, you stop trying yeah they, they've been a, a, a bit spottier than it has been in the first two years under brian gregory and and that's you know what's somewhat to be expected um but i i still really like where both these programs are going and you know the the men's team's only gonna lose one guy and he's their best guy right now in two guys antoon's been playing out of his mind the last few weeks yeah but he he's a body you know, I, and, and that's not offense to Antune. Like he's, you know, he's a replaceable player. Well, Quincy is a, a player that plays at a little higher level and we have more to replace. You can replace an Antune. But if you can somehow get back Yetna and you're going to need probably two shooters because they don't really have anybody who can shoot the ball. They're one of the worst teams in the country at shooting the three. They get to the line as much as anybody. They don't shoot the three for smuck, for schmuck. They have if they can find a way to surround Yetna with some shooters, there are enough pieces there where I feel like they're going to be okay. The roles are there. They just need the roles to be a little Perform. different. And they have to be able to stretch the floor. So they cannot shoot. So for all the people that are concerned that Xavier Castaneda is going to be the starting point guard next year. No. Um, yeah, he will n- most likely not be unless he has some significant improvement. 
let's remind let's remind the people that Zach Dawson was recruited as a point guard originally and has played off ball and has done you know a solid job playing off ball at times but he can his natural position is point guard Caleb Murphy is also running is also learning the point uh, as at least that's what Russ told me um so you don't learn the point though. It's the yeah. point's a the point's an instinct. Like you either are you're either a boy point guard yeah. or you're not. He play he played point when he was with the Atlantic Celtics on the AAU circuit. So so yes, I would like to see Dawson bring the ball more. But like when you have Rodell and he's your best player, you, he's got to have the ball in his hands. Sure. I understand why you have to move Dawson off ball just because of what you have on this team. And I understand that you want X to back up. But when when they put Rodell and X on the floor at the same time, it's like. Can somebody throw it in the ocean, please? You know what I mean? You can't have two backcourt guys that are that small that can't shoot. Like, you just can't. I, you know, it's weird. When uh, Xavier threw up a three and it went in, I kind of figured, okay, USF's going to win this game. Yeah, the one that went in, yeah. <laughs> Caleb Murphy, top 50 recruit, best recruit in the conference so far, and he signed. Yeah. And that is huge. Massive. And I'm excited for it. I think this team can still do well for the rest of the year. It's, I mean, it's a tough ass slate. They go to Memphis on on Saturday, uh, then they get Houston and Tulsa at home, at Wichita State, at uh, Pukon, uh, home for ECU, <laughs> <laughs> um, at Temple, and then they close out versus Cincinnati and SMU. I see maybe. I can't even say. I, I see no guaranteed wins here because UConn in stores is different than UConn in Tampa. And then ECU already beat USF this year. Tulsa is weirdly good. SMU is Tulsa's really good. Team in the conference. Tulsa is really good. And it's strange because they're actually healthy and that's been their bugaboo for 15 years. Well, that and Frank hates a lousy coach, but right. the, he's a really good recruiter because he pays well. So <laughs> this is, I, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said by the NCAA already. So the, uh, I, I am now a college basketball expert uh, with my new expert. position at uh, DraftKings as right. the um, college sports coordinator. Um, so I am sort of throwing myself back into college basketball like I did when I was a younger man. Um, I've definitely shifted more towards football recently. Did they have a three-point line when you were a younger man? Yeah. You know what? My first real childhood college basketball memory was April 1st, 1985. Villanova wins the national championship. It's the last game without a shot clock in the NCAA. Jesus Christ. <laughs> My God. Did they use a sundial instead? <laughs> Actually, they kind of Villanova won the national championship and shot. I want to get this right. I think it was uh, 10 for 11 in the second half. They took 11 field goal. They shot 11 field goals. They made 10. They won the national championship against That's Georgetown. Disgusting. Against Georgetown. Wasn't yeah. it like 78% for the game? Yeah, it was 78% for the game. Yes, it was. If they shoot as as one of my favorite sports writers who just passed once wrote famously, if they shoot ninety percent in the second half, they lose. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm old. Um, I have, but I've watched a lot of college basketball this year. Um, this conference is not great. It's very gettable. I think it will continue to be gettable next year. Houston, they're good, but they're flawed. Tulsa, they're good. Um, they're a little less flawed than I thought they'd be. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati goes as Cumberland goes, you know, if, if he's hot, they play well, if not, they don't, they're not great. And everybody else is kind of shitty. So it's gettable. And if it stays this way, then USF will be able to be competitive going forward. Yep. Um, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap up here. I think we've been talking for about an hour and a half. I have a rant. Okay. Let's end it on a rant. I appreciate everyone listening to our signing day, uh, bonus, um, podcast. Appreciate Will Turner. Uh, from Bulls 24-7 coming on and talking recruiting with us. Um, I know we hate to do it, so I appreciate you being able to do it. And, Thanks, uh, buddy. Building yeah. building this relationship further is going to be key for the success of both uh, websites. So Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. Colin, the floor is yours for your final rant. Oh, wow. Night. Look, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that's because we have dug ourselves in such a hole. So the difference between the USF administrations of the past and the USF administration now is that previously we would just sort of put a patch on the tire and we wouldn't strip it down to the studs and we wouldn't make the decisions that needed to be made to fix the problems that are holistically an inherent part of the program. So what Seth said about the easier thing to do would have been to run Charlie Strong back, use his salary instead of having to buy him out. Wait for the facility to get started and then start then. 
Right. And then slowly, you know, instead of solving the problem, which is you have a bad football coach and no facilities. So let's strip it down and do whatever it takes to fix those two problems. And then once those two problems are fixed, then we'll try and build this thing back up the right way. They are the decisions that are being made by this administration are for the long term health of the program. I have not seen that since Leroy passed just straight up happen. Um, it's tough right now because everybody gets excited because you finally beat UCF in basketball for the first time in forever. And you still haven't won a lot of conference championships and you're way behind in the war on I four and your football team went four and eight and it sucks right now. I am more convinced than ever. And it's probably not going to be 2020 and it's, it might not even be 2021, but 2022, 2023, the out years, the kids that are being recruited right now by USF will play for conference championships in all the major sports and they will compete at a national level and they will be on the cusp or in the rankings of the top 25 of their individual sports. And that has not always been the case. And it's because somebody finally came in here and made the decisions, the hard choices that had to be made to solve the problem. The revenue is up despite the fact that the attendance and some honestly, some of the enthusiasm is down and that's because of hard work and effort and hiring the right people and getting the things in place. Coaches don't win championships. Athletic directors and presidents do. And I am more on board with what we're doing right now than I have been since Leroy died. So yeah, that's my rant. Go Bulls!